Hey, this is Kenny Price with Quat.Rocks. This is a stripped-down recording today. No additional music or underscore. I just want to finish the year of 2021 with some final thoughts, some encouragement for you as I contemplate my own life and where I see God taking me for 2021. But a scripture that comes to mind is Psalm 90, and I think I covered it in a podcast in the past, but I can't seem to find it. I've looked through all the show names and the things it covered in each show, and uh, it doesn't seem to be there. So anyway, also, I want to put it up front that there will be no editing. This is going to be straight. I talk, so if I've got ums and ahs and clicks and tongue ticks and everything else, you just bear with me. But I just want to give you some closing thoughts for this year and challenging thoughts for the new Psalm 90 comes to mind, and like I said, I think I've covered this in the past, but I can't find it. But it needs to be covered again. This is something that I reflect on every year at this time. And the title given to this psalm is Eternal God and Mortal Man. A prayer of Moses, the man of God. Lord, you have been our refuge in every generation. Before the mountains were born, before you gave birth to the earth and the world. From eternity to eternity, you are God. You return mankind to the dust, saying, Return, descendants of Adam, for in your sight a thousand years are like yesterday that passes by, like a few hours of the night. You end their lives, they sleep. They are like grass that grows in the morning, in the morning it sprouts and grows, by evening it withers and dries up. For we are consumed by your anger, we are terrified by your wrath. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. For all our days ebb away under your wrath, we end our years like a sigh. Our lives last seventy years, if we are strong, eighty years. Even the best of them are struggle and sorrow. Indeed, they pass quickly and we fly away. Who understands the power of your anger? Your wrath matches the fear that is due you. Teach us to number our days carefully so that we may develop wisdom in our hearts. And that's the real pivot point for me every year at this time, especially. But really on a daily basis, we need to think. God teaches to number our days carefully so that we may develop wisdom in our hearts. And the fact is, we don't have any days ahead of us guaranteed. So this is a call to reflect on the lives that we've lived to date and learn from what God has taught us as we've walked these days with him. In verse 13, he asks the question, Moses says, Lord, how long? Turn and have compassion on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your faithful love, so that we may shout with joy and be glad all our days. Make us rejoice for as many days as you have humbled us, for as many years as we have seen adversity. And friend, that's a good prayer today, that a lot of us have seen a lot of hard times, but it's right for us to say, God, in the same way, I'm asking you, please, give me matching days of joy. Give me matching days of rejoicing for as many days as you've humbled me. Verse 16, let your work be seen by your servants and your splendor by their children. That's a great prayer for us to pray this year amidst the two years that we've been through that's been like a beating. Verse 16, Moses says, let your work be seen by your servants and your splendor by their children. And my friend, that's an excellent prayer. We should pray this every day. God, I'm asking, God, manifest your work among your servants and that it will be seen by all and that your splendor will be seen by their children. 
In other words, our prayer can be every day, may your glory shine on this planet. In spite of all the things that people seek to do to destruct us, to tear us down, to distract us, and to impair us, and all these other negative things, that God is in control. And if Moses can pray this prayer, you and I can pray this prayer. That God, let your work be seen by your servants and your splendor by their children. And there's an implication here that the work that you and I do on behalf of God, it's his work. And if we are able to carry out something in his name, it's his glory. It's his work. It's his strength. It's his power and his breath that flows in us, on us, and through us. And so we're actors in this. We're players. But God is the agency of work. He's the ergos. He's the work. Finally, in verse 17, Moses says, Let the favor of the Lord our God be on us. Establish us for the work of our hands. Establish the work of our hands. What a great prayer that we should pray every day from now until Jesus comes back. Let the favor of the Lord our God be on us. Establish for us the work of our hands. Establish the work of our hands. What a great prayer that God just bless everything I touch. Bless everything that you set apart in my mind for me to do in the coming year. And I tell you some questions I ask of myself. What new thing is God calling me to do? Or what new things is God calling me to do? How does he want me to express my God-given talents in new ways to new people for his glory? I ask you this, a question I ask of myself. I turned 62 this past June, and we need to face the reality as we are taught to number our days. We need to realize, God, how many more trips around the sun will you give me? This year in Christmas, my whole goal was to just enjoy the fellowship of being with my family. At the age of 62, the Bible says if we live 70 years, maybe 80, we're strong. So at the age of 62, if I live to be the age of 80, I have 17 more trips around the sun, 17 more Christmases. When you begin to look at life with this mind of wisdom, you begin to realize that, wait, every single moment I live is infinitely important and that we need to focus on here and now in the moments and the minutes that God gives us right here within each day. I ask the question, will I spend my days in fear, anxiety, worry, depression, sadness, grief? Will I spend my days in deep contemplation instead of deep meditation on Jesus and his word and his ways? There's a great difference between being in deep contemplation and being plagued and taken down and burdened by the cares of this world as opposed to being in deep meditation and thinking about Jesus and keeping him the focus as the author and perfecter of our faith and spending time in his word and learning to know him better, which produces all of the advantages of life. So it's a great question to ask yourself. How will I spend my days? The minimalist documentary that's been a few years old now that was featured on Netflix had a profound change on my life. It really caused me to think about what is important to me and how, in what ways am I materialistic? 
and I can't vouch for everything they do. I've actually reached out to them through their messaging system and challenged them on why they have to focus on some shows that allow profanity and others that don't, when in fact they have the power of edit. And uh, it's easy to let the people that you interview know that you run a clean show, and I don't really, really see any ad- advantage in uh, some of the shows that they've had profanity, and I actually unfollowed them for a time. But yet, I'm not going to throw the baby out with the bathwater, and their documentary and many of their podcasts have been a great inspiration and challenge to me because it really causes me to boil down and to say, what really does matter in life? I happen to live in the Nashville, greater Nashville area, and I'm telling you, having grown up in Dallas and Fort Worth and in a place where there are mansions beyond compare and Mark Cuban and the former president of the United States and rock star Don Henley and all these people live there in Dallas and you can go to Highland Park and Preston Hollow and some of these enclaves to where the richest of the rich live. But I can tell you with that backdrop and that understanding as my history that the wealth and the immense fortune that is manifested here in the greater Nashville area is mind-boggling. And it almost appears that when you arrive in Tennessee that they give you a ticket to a free home worth a million dollars. And uh, in the greater Nashville area, a home of a million dollars is almost a starter home. I'm not kidding. (laughs) It sounds like I'm exaggerating, but I have a context, and this place is mind-boggling. And a side note, as one who is just a a very much a a student of architecture and a fan, fan, uh, had I not been a minister and called to the gospel ministry, I most likely would have either been a police officer or an architect, which is kind of a diverse uh, idea there. But so the architecture here is just astounding and beautiful and something to behold. But yet you see the size of the homes. And at a point you say, how much do you need? And I don't begrudge anyone that has wealth. Hey, I'm happy for you. But at the same time, as I progress in my age, I begin to realize, man, I just want happiness. I just want family. I just want peace. (laughs) It comes down to really a few basic things. And you begin to realize that there are a lot of things that we allow into our lives, either through the pursuit of materialism or through the pursuit of success or fortune or all of the things that the world says are what make you happy. You begin to peel that away and you're left with the questions, wait, what is life really about? Of course, the book of Ecclesiastes has a major answer for that. Answer for that, I won't go into. I encourage you to read the book of Ecclesiastes going into this new year, 2022. But yet, you've got to ask yourself as a Christian, what is the essence of daily living? What is important to fight for and what should be let go? And make no mistake about it, there are some things that are worth fighting for. But many times we fight for things that we should not fight for. And the stress and the heartache and the grief caused uh, is without excuse. And so we've got to really take time to just stop and to say, hey, this hill that I'm, I'm battling on, is it worth dying for? Is it worth falling on? And most of the time, the answer is no. And one of my key verses of my life is the scripture that says, that as as far as you are concerned to be at peace with all men. 
And friend, we see from the life of Jesus, that's not always possible. There are some people who want war, who want strife. And sometimes we're in a situation to where we must stand. Therefore, we're in the midst of a battle. But yet that should be few and far between in our lives. Most of the time, we need to learn to shut our mouths, turn our backs and walk away. We don't owe anyone an excuse or a reason or our thoughts on a subject. We can remove ourselves and enter into a place of peace just by sheer body language and action. But anyway, so that's a major question I have as I reflect on the years that God has left for me, that what does real living look like in this age? Right now, I already know there are a few things that are super important to me. And number one is family and relationships, my relationship with God, my relationship with my family and my relationship with friends. And nothing can can distract that or detract that. It's paramount. I tell you, in this past year, we've known people that have had terrible suffering in our sphere of influence and family and friends. Some, I, I won't go into details. It's just a list of sadness and grief that have come to people that we know, not by their actions. I'm talking about health, death, disease, to find people. And it really causes you to take a step back and to begin to analyze this attitude of gratitude that should permeate our lives on simple yet complex things that we take for granted every day. And I want you to listen to me. I'm not being facetious. I'm not being goofy. I'm not being silly. But I'm telling you, and especially after I was very sick a year ago, had a terrible respiratory infection at the beginning of all this mess, and I think it was the virus, that I tell you, I still remember sitting on my couch in the middle of the night and struggling for every breath and my wife saying, should I take you to the ER? And friend, I've been in the ministry since I was 17. I have literally visited thousands of people in the hospital and I don't think I'm exaggerating. I mean, I've been in the ministry for like 45 years. A lot of my time spent in hospitals visiting church members and people that are sick that people have asked me to go visit. I have visited a lot of sick people. I've seen many people die. I have been in the room with people, many people, as they cross over in death. And I'm telling you that when you get to a point like I was a year ago, where you're sitting on the couch and you can't sleep and you can't breathe, and I know enough physiology to understand that when you're having a major asthma attack brought on by this illness and you cannot exhale, and you can't breathe, a ventilator does no good. And as a matter of fact, as an asthmatic, there's only a few things that stand between an asthmatic and death because you have a bronchial dilator, uh, you know, an inhaler. Uh, They can give you therapeutics as far as as steroids. But other than that, there's really not much to do. And if you go into a bronchial collapse, a respirator does no good. Respirator pumps oxygen air in, but if you can't pump it out, then you die. And so it was a terrible time. And after that, I began to realize that every moment that I breathe clear and free is a great day. Now, friend, listen to me. Some of you who are listening to this podcast at this moment, you're going through some very challenging times at work. You're facing an uncertain future, perhaps in the next few days, weeks, months, or this year. But I'm telling you, my friend, that if you can breathe unencumbered without congestion and without restriction and without assistance, you are blessed. A second thing 
that being able to go to the restroom, now I'm not being vulgar. I'm telling you that we take the simple yet complex for granted and that for a person to be able to urinate or defecate without, without problems, that that is a beautiful thing. It is a core foundational element of health. And I'm telling you the people that I know that battle diabetes, they begin to have problems with their, with their kidneys. Talk to them about the grief and the sadness that that, that brings. Talk to someone who's in the hospital battling disease. They're facing dialysis. A dear friend of mine right now, she's facing that, struggling. And I'm telling you, we take the simple complex for granted, and we should not. And I tell you, we need to be thankful and we need to be grateful. And if you have your basic health, you are rich. And I remind you, friend, and I know sometimes we think in terms of, well, what's coming to me, it could be the loss of job, the loss of my home, the loss, loss, loss. But I'm telling you that one of the blessings of even in this nation that is under corruption and collapse in some ways, that I'm telling you, I give you this guarantee that there is never a day that you would go hungry in the United States of America, even with all of the garbage going on. We are immensely blessed as far as food goes. And so when we really boil things down as we face a new year, that my friend, if you can breathe unencumbered and your chest is clear, and if you can go to the restroom without impedance and you're able to have your body evacuate the waste that is toxic, that makes you sick, and if you have your basic health, that you are rich. Now, I know some listening to this are battling health issues, but my friend, God sustains and that every single little component that we do have that he gives us physically is an immense blessing that money cannot pay or buy. And so at times it comes to a point in your life to where you have to strip down the essence of living and to say, wait, wait, am I sitting here? Am I in one piece? Can I breathe? Am I able to go to the restroom and evacuate the waste that is produced from the food that we eat, the environment that we breathe, then, hey, I can live under a bridge and I can go to a, a Denny's, watch somebody after they finish eating their food and go to the table and eat the rest of the food if I have to, but I will not starve. So, friend, at the end of the day, life is great. Now, I know I've spoken in drastic terms, but I'm telling you, there are so many pressures that come to us in our day of living that cause us to become anguished and overtaken and downtrodden and all of these negative things when in fact we need to stop for just a moment and say, wait, I am rich. I may not be rich in financial wealth, but I am rich. And so I ask you this question as I ask myself, and I'm contemplating it. I'm not saying I've read, reached the conclusion of everything that God wants me to do in the coming year. But what will I do this year as God gives it to me moment by moment, minute by minute, to make someone else's life better. Will I really seek peace as far as I'm concerned with all men? Will I seek to be devoted to Jesus this year? Will I seek to use my time and talents and my treasures to honor and glorify Him? Will I be at peace internally in full trust of Him as my God and my Savior and the director of my feet, my path. So friend, I just want to leave that with you. And I ask for you to be in prayer. Well, I appreciate your prayers for our ministry. We have great days ahead of us in the coming year. 
and I'm excited about all that God is showing me and the potential for ministry and service. And we're just beginning. I've been going since, what was it? Uh, I think August 25th of 2000. Um, wow, 2015. So the ministry is several years old, but we're just beginning. We're just beginning. And the greatest days are still ahead. Friend, I hope you feel that way about your life. I invite you, if you have any questions, if I can be of help to you, you can go to our base, uh, home base, which is transformthiscity.org, and go to Forum Fill, send me an, inform- uh, an email, ask me a question. I'll pray for you if you have a prayer need. We pray for everything that comes through our mailbox, our email box. And uh, I want to let you know that I'm here for you. And if you're seeking help to start a small group, to launch a church, any of that, that's my background. I'm more than happy to help you in every way I can. God has placed me here on this planet to be a minister and to be a service to the saints first and to the world. And so I want you to let you know that I'm here for you and that I do pray and my wife joins me in prayer and we pray daily. So anyway, may God bless you in the year to come. May he fill you with his grace and may you know his peace. And may you exude that peace that passes understanding to everyone in your sphere of influence. And with that, I want to say that a few things that I am going to focus on that are always fundamental to me as I close is that uh, focus in prayer, talking to God, meditation. That means reading his word and thinking, reflecting on it, going deep on it, reading his word, having uh, Christian fellowship, and evangelism, that means sharing the good news of the gospel with people who have not uh, yet said yes to Jesus. And finally, um, giving care to people in need. So it's very basic, but that is the essence of Christianity. And that's what I'm going to be analyzing and reflecting on in the coming year. But with that, my friend, I bid you peace.